Hello and welcome to another epic themed edition of Life of Die. I'm your regular host, Gordon, and once again I'm joined by fellow epic fanatic, Craig. How you doing, Craig? Hello there, I'm good, thanks. Good stuff. In the series so far, we've looked at the Space Marines, we've looked at the Eldar, and we've looked at the Imperial Guard, and as promised, this time we're going to be looking at Chaos. Quick little reminder to listeners that these lists are not exhaustive, they're just our favourite armies, and we will try and cover some of the units that we don't choose. Anything we've missed, we will try and mention some of it, but it's definitely not exhaustive. Check out Crown of Command if you want to hear a full list of all the kind of units, all the special abilities and all those kind of things. It's uh, a really good listen, and they're good guys over there, so always check them out as well, please. So, yeah, Chaos then, as usual. A couple of things we need to talk about before we... There's always something kind of specific about an army that has to be discussed before we start. And I think the first thing to do would be about the actual composition of the armies. So normally it's a company card that you would have, that you would choose. That's the kind of base block of your army. But in this case, it's a greater demon that is the the kind of building block. And for every greater demon you take, you must take at least three support cards. And you can take up to five as usual. But it's unusual in that respect that you have to take X number of support cards. The other thing to add about it, I suppose, would be the Chaos cards. I'm right in saying, Craig, that it's three Chaos cards for each Greater Demon in your force, is that right? Yep, that's right. And then there's a, a special card for the um, for the Legion as well, for each of the powers. Yeah, that's been slightly neutered in the Epic. Not the special power for the Legion, just that the Primarchs, I think, are only, from memory, they only get one Chaos card, whereas the Greater Demon still gets a three. So it, it did kind of bring those chaos cards under control a wee bit. I'm slightly ambivalent about it. I feel that they probably could be doing with three chaos cards for each greater demon. So there's a few things about chaos which I think are very tricky, but I think I'll reveal more about that once we get into lists. So as usual, we're going to be looking at 2,000, 3,000, 4,000 and 5,000 point lists. And as usual, we'll start with the base 2,000. And shall we start with yours as, as is uh, tradition, Craig? Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> so what have you got for 2,000 points? Yeah, so for 2,000 points, um, another thing worth mentioning about chaos is that the four major powers are represented. So there's Korn, Zinch, Slanesh and Nurgle and there's specific cards for each of these factions as well so if you take a, a Nurgle greater demon you can't then take corn specific minion cards with them that kind of thing nice catch <laughs> yes <laughs> with that being said there's also kind of generic chaos things you can take although there's not specifically generic chaos greater demons so you still need to base your forces in second edition around one of the four powers greater demons effectively and you can have greater demons from multiple powers mixed into your army there's not the kind of anti affinity rules that there are in later editions for that but it does still restrict you quite a bit and another thing worth mentioning as well was that corn certainly got the bulk of the specific units at the start of second edition and they kind of sort of balanced out towards the end giving each of the other powers some units but certainly early on in second edition's life and even towards the end you'd struggle to put together a, a force list with the other powers just by themselves it normally has some sort of corn element in it and i think we've we had a little bit of discussion before doing these lists that we would try to get representation in for all the powers in here so you'll see a bit of that in our, in our list hopefully but i think we both have a contingent of corn for the most part yeah i think they've, they've also got a, a lot of the trying to avoid that word they've got a lot of units <laughs> they've got a lot of units that are uh, very cool <laughs> yeah i think when most people think of chaos 
corn is what they're probably thinking of. It's that traditional representation of hell and demons and red and black and flames and skulls and all that kind of Games Workshop stuff, whereas the other powers are a wee bit more nuanced and follow different tropes. But yeah, you you can easily build a a corn force or you can easily build a a force mostly with corn stuff, but you'd probably struggle with the others um, a little bit. And the, the one other thing I would say about why I always gravitate towards corn, apart from having a kind of good mix of unique vehicles and cavalry and, and infantry, is that it took me so long to paint those miniatures and put those skulls on every single one of those vehicles that I'm kind of damned if, I, if I'm not going to use them. And <laughs> when if I'm taking chaos, they've got to feature. That's that's really my problem. That <laughs> there was such a time sinkhole. But worth it because I think they're the coolest force that I have because I did put the hours in with them. The ones I'm kind of reasonably proud of, uh, put it that way. <laughs> Maybe not. I'm sure there'll be people who look at my pictures and go, mm, they're a bit ropey. I think I've got a few chips on them now. They've had it. They've seen a bit of action. So. It's all part of the charm, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. That means that they've been used and they've seen action, so that's not a bad thing. Yeah, I've actually cheated with my corn forces for the most part. I think most of them I picked up sort of second-hand, pre-painted on eBay, and I maybe just threw a washer in them and, and called it done and based them all up the same. <laughs> you swine. So it, it, yeah. <laughs> it kind of lead, leads into that whole thing. I've got this theory about basing. If you base everything the same, you know, you can have it from multiple different painters and it'll kind of all be cohesive. But anyway, that's a thing for another day. So 2,000 points of chaos. I'm actually going all corn for my 2,000 points. Well, more or less. So I'm starting with the, the Bloodthirster, which is the Greater Demon for Corn, and I'm taking him with some Flesh Hounds and Bloodletters and Juggernauts, or Juggers. And these are, again, iconic Chaos units. Uh, everything is, so I'll, I'll not use that word again. It's all right. That's <laughs> <laughs> okay. The Bloodthirster himself um, is an absolute beast in close combat. I think he's plus 12, close assault factor. And if he wins... Uh, or if you destroy someone in close combat, you can fight another round immediately with um, something else you're in, in contact with, which is pretty impressive. So you, you can even take down Titans and, and things in this edition fairly easily. He's also a skimmer, I believe. Um, is that, he's not a skimmer, is he? But he can. Yeah, I'm sure he can fly. Oh, no, he is a skimmer, yeah. So yeah, so he can, he can fly. He can move like a skimmer ignoring terrain, which is decent as well, because I think that's one of the things that we have with a lot of the greater demons is a bit of a lack of mobility. Um, so yeah. that, can, that can get him moving pretty well he's still only got a 10 centimeter move but then you've got the i believe he still does the charge and first fire rules for him so so yeah it still still can get about decently enough and then i'm taking like i said the, the flesh hounds are the, the kind of dogs of hell or whatever you want to call them again they're just a good cavalry unit decent close combat decent move rate pretty good all round for that and the blood letters themselves um, are pretty tasty in close combat I think everything in the Chaos Army, more or less, or most of those kind of lesser demons, cause some sort of morale check when charged against. So Chaos generally is very good against forces with low morale, things like Imperial Guard and Orcs, and sometimes win, win the fight before you even have to, to roll any dice, or forcing the opponent to roll some dice, which is pretty nice. The blood letters they also regenerate, which means that when you kill them, you put them on their side, and then you potentially bring them back at the end of the round if they don't get killed again. So they're good for kind of soaking up a lot of firepower and maybe diverting a bit of attention from your opponent. And then the other minion cards, the Corn Juggers, which are another kind of cavalry unit. And this is kind of Chaos Champions riding these demonic mechanical steed type things. And their kind of special rule is that they always complete their charge. So even if you're charging units on first fire and they all get gunned down in that hail of fire, they'll still make it into close combat and they'll still they'll still fight. So it's it's pretty handy. And again, they're another 
close assault factor plus five as with the blood letters so they're at an advantage to most things in the game when it comes to close assault factor again n- none of that stuff's very shooty at all you'd have a bolter that fires 25 centimeters and hits in a six but it, that's not where they're for <laughs> they're, they're just for charging into things and then to counter that very kind of close assault factor or close combat heavy side of the force i've went with a corn lord of battles for my other greater demon and it's effectively a, a kind of a small titan it's, it's not got void shields but it's got a, a hit template it carries multiple weapons you, you can change out its loadout for different scenarios so probably not really tested it out very much in in the real world but i think i'd probably go for the the shooty options with it I, like i say counter that um or to give me some sort of long range firepower I'd take the two uh, ranged weapons on it. So to go along with that, I would take the Demon Engines of Corn. So I think I'd take a card of, of Blood Reapers. I think probably preempting what you're going to do later on. I think although that in the White Dwarf articles and and even on the card itself, it shows you a mixed unit of Demon Engines. I just not sure I could be bothered with the admin of that. So I would tend to take them in groups of three of, of the same kind of of engine just to absolutely keep things simple. Yeah, <laughs> yeah so I thought you I thought you'd like that one. I think I picked that tip up from you. Or so. <laughs> so yeah, I'd, I'd go with Blood Reapers again. Uh, they're a bit more of a kind of shooty unit. I think it's st- even with most of the stuff in the Chaos Army, when I say it's shooty, it's still maybe only got a 50 centimeter range, but you know, lots of attack dice and decent at, at taking out armor if you can get it into range. The other thing about these Demon Engines of Corn, they, they get this crazy kind of bonus that if you're in the lead in victory points, you get plus one to most of your stats. So you get a plus one, I think, to your close assault to your um, to hit and plus one to their saving throw as well. So yeah. But yeah, so they get a really decent bonus. And it doesn't apply to everything in, on the corn side, thankfully, for your opponent, but it does apply to the demon engines. So, yeah, it's pretty handy if you can get ahead. They suddenly become a lot more viable. My second card of demon engines, I would take brass scorpions. Now, this for this one, I'm kind of hindered by it's just what I have. So I've taken, I've actually taken two brass scorpions and going against my previous statement, I've taken a death dealer in the middle as well. But I'd maybe if my opponent was willing, I'd maybe proxy it just to save us both the headache um, <laughs> because I don't really have... The thing with the death dealer is it can act as a troop transport. So I would maybe carry my Chaos Space Marines, which I've also got in there. But I think I'd probably just keep them as three brass scorpions for the sake of admin and... Yeah, I, th- I think the Brass Scorpion, again, is, is a good kind of close combat tank. Pretty nasty, but it's it's got some shooting ability as well, so it's quite a good all-rounder. And then to finish off my force, I've got a group of Chaos Space Marines. Now, Chaos Space Marines are quite interesting. They're a bit of a kind of jack-of-all-trades if you're comparing them to their Loyalist counterparts. So the move 10 centimeters have a plus three close assault factor. They carry a missile launcher, which has a range of 50. They only get to roll one attack dice, so they're not as dice heavy as like the Devastators, but it's, it hits on a four plus rather than a five plus of the Devastators. So it's actually pretty good in that regards. And it's got a minus one save modifier. Like a Devastator, yeah. For the modifier, I mean. Uh-huh, uh-huh. The four plus, I think, makes a big difference from it being a five plus, you know. Absolutely, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, that's the big thing with Epic, isn't it? It's, it's hitting things, as, as we've discussed before. So anytime you can reduce that to hit roll, it's probably worth more than an extra dice at plus five is. Although, you know the odds on that, or the probability on that better than I will. But yeah, it feels it feels good. They're just a good all-round unit. They don't have the failings that the tactical units have for the Loyalist Marines. Yeah, I'd, I'd take them over a card of tactical Marines any day of the week. So to transport them, I've stuck them in a rhino. That's the trade-off with the Chaos Marines is you don't get transport built in with them. Um, you don't get rhinos attached to them and you have to take them as an extra support guard, which can eat up your allocation quite easily. But it is also another cheap way of getting a minion card in as well if you're struggling. So I've attached the Chaos Marines to that rhino detachment. And that is my 2,000 points. 
what have you got? Yeah, for my 2,000 points, it's interesting because the two of us have got fairly different for a 2,000 point. We're both going with corn and yet we have not too much in common about what we've chosen, which is quite good because I think we've been in agreement about too much up until now, so it's good that we're going to have some arguments here. <laughs> so my 2,000 points list, I'm just going to run through it quickly and then I'll start talking about it one by one. So I've got Angron, the Primark of the World Eaters. I've taken two lots of corn juggers. I've taken Cannon of Corn. I've taken a squad of the Blood Letters. And I've also taken the Space Marine Legion because I've got Angron. Um, that's something I would say that, didn't we, at the start, about you have to have the Primars to, to take the, the actual Legion specific to them. Yeah, we, did, we didn't mention it, but that's uh, a good thing to talk <laughs> <Yeah>. about. <laughs> so... That's a big part of why I, I want Angron over the blood letter. It's not the only reason. I'll explain more about that in a second. I'll just finish this off first. So I've got the Space Marine Legion. I've taken not very flavourful, but at 2,000 points, I want to be careful. I kind of feel like I've got to maximise my bang for buck. So my instinct would be to take Demon Engines, but at this point's cost, I thought, no, I can't justify it. So I've taken two squadrons of Land Raiders, which... Know, well documented what we think about them they're great dependable good range good power and something you're going to see in these pictures of the uh, if you're watching on youtube is that because i've only got like two of each kind of card um there's a card missing here so if you total up you'll see that it's 50 points short and in actual fact i've got three squadrons of rhinos i think i overlook that death dealer a bit too often to be honest i think it's actually a good way to go about it and I think, actually, there could be an argument for actually going against what I would usually do and put three of a kind in the one squad. I think that a good way to do it would be to have two of the one type and have a Death Dealer in there carrying five troops of World Eaters into battle mm-hmm. and getting them up a wee bit faster. I'm not convinced from memory that the Death Dealer is that fast. But it's just got a 15 centimetre move, so it's not great. It's but better than nothing, I. Yeah. Again, it's... If you're playing second edition, it's not a brilliant help. But you'd, again, as we discussed in the last episode, when the epic, because it's five centimetres off your move at either end, you can get your trips up quite a bit further. So, yeah, that's that's basically the force I've got. So the Rhinos, as I say, are really there to get those World Eaters up the board as quickly as possible. With that 50 range, to me, it's it's really crucial that you get them positioned properly in turn one, get them into the buildings or the forests, whatever it is that you've got the cover. And again, same advice as I would say about Devastators back in when we're talking about space marines, you want them and having good vantage points over the battlefield, but you do need to be a bit more careful than you would be with Devastators because of that range issue. But the 75 down to 50 centimetres does make a big difference especially if you're playing against a, an army such as the Marines or Eldar which have a lot of good range and will sit back a lot and uh, make your Chaos Force really pay a heavy price if you can't get them into position so for me the Rhinos I suppose they're also quite a good, because of this what we were talking about earlier on, you've got to take three support cards they're actually quite a good filler card so you can basically, the Space Marine Legion takes care of itself because if you're buying three lots of Rhinos because actually taking the three support cards acquired. The reason I plumped for those Land Raiders is it's partly about the range the 75 range because I, I wanted something to counter if I'm coming up against the Marines or Eldar in particular, Imperial Guard equally as well to be quite honest. The Orcs are a wee bit easier going because their range tends to be 50 centimetres so it's not so much a problem because the orcs will be coming at you anyway so i just wanted that extra bit of range and there's another reason which i will come to when i get onto the demon engines later on about why i think at 2000 points you really want the land raiders the corn juggers brilliant i love them (laughs) i love anything with plus six calf 
or is it plus five calf? Uh -huh. And as you say, that that rule is really handy about they complete their charge and will and therefore will still carry out close combat. So I mean that's quite powerful against the lights of a you know a vehicle. If you charge them at land raiders, the land raiders might shoot some of them down, but you can complete those moves and you can basically smash through the the land raiders. So yeah, they're not to be underestimated. They are a bit slower than the the likes of you know bikes that we've been talking about so enthusiastically in previous episodes. So they're a, a much slowed down version, but when they get in amongst the enemy, they're really really effective and really powerful. And and if you can see that there's vehicles there, I, I actually would take the chance at charging them down, even if it meant taking you know, losing a couple of them. Particularly if it's super heavy tanks, you could you could do it to some damage. The other thing we should say is that the chaos cards that you get that we mentioned at the start. Most of them are like bonuses to your calf, so you can play these to really skew close combat a lot of the time. They do have other abilities that are in there, kind of strange things, but I don't really want to get through into every single different card, but the majority of them seem to be kind of bonuses to calf. I don't know if you agree with that, Craig, or not. Yeah, I mean, we should, we should mention that one of the purposes of the Chaos cards is you can actually use them to save your greater demon from destruction um, as long as it's not being attacked by like a psychic weapon you can discard the card so some of them are kind of filler or fairly niche use cases and normally you just keep them obviously you don't get to choose um, when you discard one but if you've got these in your hand you might just know from the outset after looking at your cards which ones you're going to use and which ones you're just going to keep for trying to save a demon yeah that's true i mean i try and I used to always just keep them for the greater demons, but I've come around to the opinion that actually you're much better playing them mm -hmm. and they're much better being used rather than on a greater demon. And I tend to be actually quite cowardly with my greater demons because... Um, I've noticed. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know it's not very flavourful, but again, I just feel it's one of those things you don't want them sitting out there. It's going to cause problems. The whole army, do they have to take a morale check if the greater demon goes? Just if it's just if they're in sight of them, it's, I think, uh, if it's in line of sight. Which is why I try to keep them out of line of sight. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> in fairness, it's, it's unlikely that your Chaos Army, that they've got really good morale, unlike the Imperial Guard and Orcs. They're much more in line with the Marines, I would say. So, yeah, I suppose I worry a bit too much about that. But the, the other reason is that I don't find the Greater Demons particularly effective. So I kind of feel it's a bit of a waste of time, you know, like having them sitting out just soaking up you know, spending chaos cards. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I, I, I like to I like to play those cards if I can, and I like to keep the Greater Demons largely if I can. And Woods would be my personal preference because it means that they can't be got at. <laughs> Except by units who really can't take them down. Mm -hmm. The only thing would be maybe an avatar. The other thing I was going to say was that about the greater demons and well, particularly the two core ones anyway. I do feel they're fairly limited in what they can do. To me, they operate like the avatar that you're going to keep moving them through basically to the closest enemy unit. Try and get them into close combat. They will butcher whatever they get into combat with, unless it happens to be a titan. They can, like you said, they can actually take titans on and. If, if you've got a bunch of those chaos cards, you can actually skew it in your favour as well. So that's why they shouldn't be underestimated for that. But I don't know if it's just the way we play. And if other people charge their titans up a lot more than we do, but we tend to, you know, I think the sensible thing is to sit with them and use them as weapons platforms, <laughs> plugging away at the, from the back. So in practice, I don't really see greater demons getting that opportunity too much. I think maybe possibly against the Eldar, because they are a, a titan that does get moved about because of the necessity to do so. 
but I would imagine a wily elder opponent would be uh, quite alert to the dangers of a greater demon running, getting anywhere close to his time. So I'd imagine they would still just move them, but not necessarily move them very far. That's one of those those strange rules that's always caused a bit of um, discussion over the years about the Hollowfields, is that people feel like if they're going to be an advanced sorters, they should actually move at least maybe 10 centimetres or something like that. Yeah, sure. Whereas, you, you know, you can really game it and just, which, frankly, I've been guilty of over the years, probably against you as well, Craig, about, you know, they move them in like two centimetres and things and they still get the bonus of the advanced move. My counter-argument to that would be because you're not in first fire, you're not getting into fire till later on in the turn, so there is a big disadvantage in it as mm-hmm. well, so... Anyway, I feel like I'm getting bogged down my elder now, and that's not what we're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> so, the corn juggers love Angron. I do actually prefer to the blood letter. I agree with what you're saying. It gets a double attack, which is useful. But again, it's one of these things that I'm aware of. Yes, they will butcher whatever he gets into, but it's really, when you think about it, it's two stands per turn, really, is what you'd be able to fight. Yeah. Again, it's that thing with the elder, the avatar. That's all it does, it moves into close combat. And I realised after a while not to shoot at them because I'm just thinking, well, the worst it's going to do is take off maybe two infantry stands over the whole battle because of their move rate. And I kind of think the Greater Demons are very similar in that respect. Certainly the Corn ones, because it is basically the close combat. Angron's power I do actually think is better than the double attack of the Bloodthruster because it has this fearsome roar which basically can cause morale checks. Probably doesn't mean much if you're playing against Marines. Eldar as well are pretty good with the morale, but if you're up against the Imperial Guard or the Orcs, yeah, Angron's really good. Get him out there and get him up the board as fast as possible and use that ability because it can it can have, have a few units running away from you pretty quickly. Um, so I do favour Angron out of the two for that reason. And as I say, I wanted to have the Space Marine Legion there. I agree with you about all the stats. You've covered it all there about the, uh, the World Eaters or the generic Chaos Marine as it were. One thing I would say is that when we play it, it's slightly different. It's again, it's another unit that came in in uh, the Epic Scott. I don't know if it was ever in any of the previous articles or anything like that, but basically they've got Berserkers and they have, I think, plus six calf from memory. And the thing that's really great, I've put it in the wee photo there, the Blood Rage of Corn, when you've got these Berserkers, all the models in the unit may make a charge move this turn, even if they do not have charge orders. Units with charge orders triple their move allowance. All the models in the unit roll an extra D6 in close combat. So you put your Berserkers into Rhinos, the Rhinos charge, you disembark, you've got triple movement. So you know you can you can basically get from one side of the board to the other, is how it actually works out with that. And you've got an extra D6 in close combat. So the only thing you might struggle against a wee bit would be striking scorpions because they've got 3D6 plus 6. Anything else, I think you're going to absolutely carve through it. So anybody that's playing second edition, I would really recommend checking out the net epic thing because the, the Space Marine Legions, they do have like a specific detachment which is unique to their own. But certainly it's the Berserkers are the ones that are the big standout for me in those units. I'm, I'm trying not getting bogged down with all the net epic talk. And the one other thing I've got is the, the Cannon of Corn. Now, I've got a bit of a... Mm, I don't know if I love these guys or not. <laughs> in a relationship with the Cannon of Corn. Because of that one in six chance when they misfire, and it seems to happen with seems to happen more than one in six times. Yeah, yeah, I've seen it quite a few times. <laughs> <laughs> so that misfire, basically, if you roll that, it blows up the the cannon. So I'm not that mad on the cannon of corn, but I feel that they've got to be in there, especially because I wasn't taking any um, any of the the demon engines. Just didn't have the points to do. Oh, I couldn't. I suppose I could have. No, I couldn't have because I wanted the marines and the blood letters. I felt like I needed some, you know, ground troops basically. The joggers are kind of fulfilling that cavalry function and yeah, something else just again, I really like the models because I like all the, the detail that's on them and I, 
and again they took me just to paint so they're going in that battlefield and um, whether i like them or not is another <laughs> when they work well they work well that's i suppose that's the thing because i get a really i think it's minus three modifier and they can basically fire line of sight so you can be quite clever with them if you've got a good lot of open board and you sit in one corner you can really have a go at units you know pretty indiscriminately so if you're fortunate the way this the board is set up particularly if there was a hill that would be even even better up at the top of a hill that one corner of the board just firing anything they can see that would be pretty good for me and the last thing i've got is the corn blood letters and again i just totally agree with you the plus five calf is brilliant it will beat most things aspect warriors and terminators aside but again you've got those chaos cards which usually give you those close combat bonuses so you can really even the odds quite easily with those yeah and that's my 2000 point army so yeah onto 3000 points what have you got craig yep so for my 3000 point list it's the same core as my 2000 point list so i've still got that same corn contingent of the bloodthirster with the flesh hounds blood letters and corn juggers and then the lord of battles with the two cards of demon engines and the chaos space marines now i've dropped the rhinos this time so i am opting to pop the the space marines into the death dealer so it's two brass scorpions and a death dealer for that card worth mentioning as well something we didn't mention because there's so many rules for chaos but the demon engines as well they cannot first fire they can only charge or advance which generally speaking isn't such a problem for them because most of them are close combat focused or closer combat focused but i said it was plus one to the closest soul factor they get it's actually an extra d6 they get in close combat if corn are winning or if chaos are winning so it's actually a fairly decent uh, bump they get in that regard but yeah so that's my corn contingent it's just under 2000 points 1950 and then i've opted to take some slanesh for the remainder of the points now I've taken the Keeper of Secrets, which is the Slanesh Greater Demon. Again, he's, most of the Greater Demons, as you've mentioned already, are, are kind of underwhelming a wee bit. They all kind of have a bit of a, a unique selling point, but none of them are that impressive. So he's similar to the Bloodthirster in as much as he's got a plus 10 close assault factor this time, so not quite as good. I and mean, he basically just has this 25 centimeter hit on a 4, 5 or 6 attack which effectively just outright kills something. There's no no saving throw for it. It's called the, the Aura of Slanesh. And it's actually a wee barrage template you place, just a, another kind of six centimeter one. So if you can get them into range and get them up against you know super heavy tanks or, or something like that, you've got a good chance of just wiping them off the board. But again, savvy players will see this kind of lumbering half cow lobster thing coming towards <laughs> them and probably try to avoid it as best they can but the reason the reason i've taken a slanesh contingent is so that i've got access to the subjugator scout titans so that was the kind of slanesh had almost no love placed upon them for the duration of the life of second edition right up until the kind of dying days of it after titan legions came out and they were given this whole kind of lore backstory about a heretic knight household and um, house divine that joined their ranks and they were then given a whole bunch of weird looking bipedal scout walkers and some scout titans as well to join their forces and it filled a bit of a gap in the chaos forces we didn't really have that kind of element at all um, and i love scout titans i love my warhounds and i love the revenants so it's kind of befitting that i take them and they're a little bit different to the aforementioned. They don't have hollow fields or void shields at all. They rely on this kind of glamour of Slash, which is another minus one to hit effectively. Anything shooting at them can't see them because of all the sparkle and glitter or whatever it is, and they take a minus one to hit. 
Um, on top of that, because there are scout titans, you've got the agile rule as well. So if you're charging them, they effectively have a, a minus two to hit, which is pretty decent. So you've got a good chance of getting them into position without them getting hit at all in most cases. And then once they're, you know, they've got decent armaments as well, as well as these hell claws, which give them an extra D6 and cost assault factor and a penetrating hit if they get in there. So they're good at hunting down other small titans or, or even big titans or, or things of that ilk. So yeah, they're a really kind of good all range and I, I just really like them. I quite like the models as well. I'm not overly fond of a lot of the, the kind of slanesh stuff but i do like any kind of bipedal titan type thing so yeah they're a must-have for me so to accompany them i've taken slanesh beast riders which again i was just trying to fit something and it was slanesh specific i could have taken something you know chaos marine or sort of the kind of general hordes of chaos but i wanted to bring some kind of slanesh specific stuff so the beast riders are, are just another kind of general decent cavalry unit nothing special at all i think it's a plus three close assault factor 20 centimeter move and they've got bolters again so they've got no special rules to them but they're a decent cavalry option for 150 points or they're not bad they, they fill out a slot especially with a lot of the chaos stuff is quite lumbering slow it's good to get as much um, speed in there as you can i think and then to round off that force i've taken some lesser demons i've taken the demonettes of slanesh and again most of the kind of lesser demons follow the same stat line or, or a similar stat line where it's kind of 10 centimeter move they've got a saving throw of four plus a close assault factor of four plus but because in similar to the plague bearers which we may or may not talk about they have this ability to, to force a morale check when they get close enough to the enemy troops so again you've got that potential of just winning the battle without fighting yeah, which is quite nice but i think generally there's probably better things to take they are fairly weak when you compare them to some of the other things you could get for the same price value but i'm or the same cost value but i'm trying to build in as much um, flavour to these forces as possible so I would, I'd like to take them and, and I'd like to also try and find a way of getting them to work I think the mistakes I've made previously with taking chaos is potentially overexposing things on turn one because you can't get into range to fight anything and you need to kind of hold them back for maybe a turn to get them in there and if you've got things that are foot slogging at 10 centimetres then it might take you a few turns it's just a bit of a kind of patience game then at that point to, to try and wait to spring the trap with them maybe. Yeah I mean I find that that's the kind of general way most chaos battles have gone for me is that the first few turns you, you know you're in for a lot of pain which is why that even though that sounds great about the corn is winning it gets that bonus that you were mentioning there about the plus d6 to the their combat and plus one to rolls to hit and uh, whatever else that is mm -hmm. the problem with that is chaos is such a slow force and kind of lumbering which is why i was trying to get like rhinos into it as well that quite often if you're up against a really agile force then they can really effectively steal maybe like up to six objectives depending on where you place them I suppose it depends how giving your opponent is if they take into consideration the fact that you've got chaos and they maybe allow you to put the objectives a little deeper than you might normally. I think our, our kind of general thing is that we usually end up having about four of the objectives fairly close to the middle of the board, you and I. Is that fair to say? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, certainly I always try and get to your objectives as close to, <laughs> to the halfway line as possible, that's definitely for sure. So that can make it really tricky. It means that, you know, if you're playing it that way, in all likelihood you're only going to secure maybe two objectives in turn one and the other players definitely going to have four and if they've got bikes and, and so on then they might well have six which means that you're you start off losing basically and it's really it's really up to the, your opponent to make sure they kill enough of your force before you get into the battle because once you get them into the battle that's when it can actually turn so 
I've found it quite painful playing Chaos because it is so it's so slow for you to get into the game. You know, you always feel like you're playing catch up, and it always feels like a big relief if you can actually turn the game on its. You know, you get to a point where it's like right, all these really powerful, you know, great close combat specialists can finally get in amongst the enemy. That's really when I find that they tend to work best. But it does usually means at least turn one. I would say probably turn two as well, possibly even in turn three before you're going to have everything in it, those enemy forces, just because of the speed factor. So yeah, very tricky to play, uh, I would say, for that reason. That's another reason as well why I protect those greater demons so much as well, because it, it's not just the greater demons, I actually try and hide as much of the force as I possibly can, because I know it, that's how it's going to play out, I suppose. So yeah, sorry, totally stole your thunder there. No, no, <laughs> I just wanted to, I'm happy, to mention that. I'm happy for any advice I can get because I think I've yeah the mistake I've made previously is just had these trips kind of foot slogging and like I say overexposed them and then just had them cut down turn one and two and had nothing left for turn three to really threaten you. So yeah, I think I think you're right. You definitely need to be a bit more tactical with them. I think it's probably a, a force if you want to be you know really sporting about it as an opponent. I think you should always take the likes of the Orcs or Imperial Guard against them. I don't feel Marines and Eldar is particularly fair because again the Eldar with their, their close combat specialists Chaos aren't, even when they do get into the fight they aren't quite as effective as they would be against anyone else and I feel both of those forces have so much ranged weaponry that it's really really difficult for you to deal with it at all other than just basically hide the stuff for the, until you finally got them into range. It's, it's a range factor as well which I'm, I'm going to come on to in a minute or two. Yeah, really tough to play. So I think if you were Particularly for somebody that's starting out in chaos, it might be more sporting to, for you to take if you're playing against somebody like that that's trying that out. I would say be a bit fair on them and try and take something where you know the morale value is going to kind of go against you. But at least it gives chaos a bit of a, a fighting chance, I mm-hmm. think, especially when you're getting to getting to grips with it. So next time you and I play, Craig, and you're taking chaos, I will definitely take. You just tell me when you're doing it and I'll take either. I'll maybe take the orcs because yeah. I think I kind of feel that's the kind of fairest actually of all the forces. I feel that the Imperial Guard still can do the tank thing and sit at range and, and pick off stuff. So I think I would be minded to take the orcs in and it could be a really interesting battle. Just the, can the, the sheer power of chaos, each of these units deal with the numbers of the of the orcs. And I think it could be quite a, yeah. a fun battle. And also the, you know, all these morale checks suddenly come into play and orcs scattering left, right and center. Exactly. I think that's something I'd be quite keen on seeing because it's never really been a factor in any of the games we've played. But yeah, it's definitely a big selling point for them. I think it also comes down to to force composition as well and, and what kind of force you take because effectively you've got two sides to the, the coin you've got corn and, and nurgle which have very slow moving no you know shooting ability for nurgle for a lot of the stuff at all and if you're to field you know those two forces together you'd have to have a really solid game plan to get them into combat whereas with the later additions to slanesh with all the night titans and stuff like that and zinch flyers and, and things which i'm sure you'll come on to they have a bit more movability and you can play them a little bit more kind of fast and loose i guess and also mixing in some of the generic chaos space marine forces like the land raiders and rhinos and land speeders and bikes that you can take you know helps to bolster that if you're lacking in that department so there's yeah i think chaos probably has the most variety of all the forces yeah but it's easy if you're trying to be thematic or if you're trying to take the, the kind of power specific stuff it is very easy to get bogged down um, with a one trick pony effectively for either shooting or close combat or whatever it is so variety is a space of life yeah. I think. <laughs> um, but yes that's my that's my 3000 points um what have you got okay so uh, yeah i've worked in the same kind of shell again as i usually do angron two sets of juggers 
the world eaters with three sets of rhinos again and take the blood letters again and the cannon of corn so all that's the same what i have taken extra this time i've taken the lord of battles i have to say i don't get as much success as the model demands <laughs> is my feeling about the lord of battles i love the model i really love it and again how many skulls was it to paint in that thing so i always want it on the table but i always feel it's a bit of a it's a bit slow and it's a bit the weapons aren't overly amazing however 500 points so but then on the other hand you could get two warhounds for that so that's always in my mind it's definitely not as good as two warhounds that's for sure You've always got to take a close combat weapon, did you not? I don't think there's anything specifically mentioned, so I did have a look for that because I also thought it was just the way it was modelled. I always thought that the, the left arm had the range weapon, but it's actually one on each, so you can model it with both. Right, okay. I certainly don't think I've seen anything in the in the rules for it to say that... It's just that the miniatures always kind of came with, I think mine's is the, the Hellblade and the Doom Burner is a, is a kind of range weapon. No, you're, you're right, but they are on opposite arms, so you could, if you bought, if you were feeling flush and you bought two of them, you could have one of each. Right, I didn't realise that. Yeah, it says, it says in the rules, it says Lord of Battle can carry a variety of weapons combinations, normally one of these close combat weapon to further augment its fighting ability, but any of the weapon choice listed below can be mounted in Lord of Battle's arms. So you can take either or. Good stuff. Yeah, so I've taken the, the Lord of Battles and I dropped out 400 points worth of the Land Raiders that I'd taken in the 2000 point army. And this time I've taken three lots of Demon Engines of Corn. Now, I've got a real love-hate relationship with the demon engines of corn again i absolutely love the miniatures they took me ages to paint they've got so much detail but they just look great i really really like the design of them but my big problem with them is that you as you mentioned earlier on the best you're doing is with the the blood reaper and the tower of skulls the two of them have got 50 range now the big problem with that is that <laughs> in practice it's very difficult to get those weapons actually in the fight because the first turn, you're going to be wanting to charge them just to get them close to range. And the problem is, even if, well, you, yeah, I think you could get them in range, they could get 30 moves, so you could definitely at the end of turn one if you charge them. If you advance them, you're not likely to get into range of anything unless your opponent is uh, being a bit brave. So you're not really that likely to get into range in turn one, so that kind of puts you in the situation where you're going to do a charge move. And then you're not allowed to first fire with the demon engines, which basically means the first time you're going to be able to fire is an advanced phase of turn two. Now, that's ample opportunity for Eldar Marines to just basically wipe them out before they even get into the fight. So it's really, really tricky. So again, I play this very kind of cagey game with Chaos that all these tanks, again, I'm trying to get them in behind buildings. I'm trying to get them behind hills or behind woods, something just so that they're not in line of sight in that first turn. And it does mean in turn two, you can't avoid it. <laughs> You're going to have to move them out and expose them and hope basically they survive through that first fire phase because you know a canny opponent will have the stuff just lined up first fire ready to wipe your demon engines out so that i wish they were better than they are and i, and I really struggle to use them yeah that's basically my problem with them unfortunately but i really love them and i love the, the weapon they've got you know good firepower if you can get them in that blood reaper's got effectively six attack dice the tower of skulls has got five attack dice yeah, the, the Blood Reaper falls into that category of uh, having two weapons, but for some reason I'm okay with it with this. <laughs> Even though I didn't like it with the Lehman Rush the other week and the, the Imperial Guard. But yeah, two of the dice, two of that six dice is minus two and four of them are minus one. Whereas the, the Tower of Skulls, I suppose you could say it's... Well, the Tower of Skulls has a two plus save all round, so that's where it kind of benefits. 
because it's only it's got one attack dice less and it's got no nothing at minus two. I would say that the Blood Reaper, personally speaking, is probably the best of the Demon Engines, and I'd probably take the Tower of Skulls. I would take Blood Reapers and uh, Cauldron of Blood. Again, it's one of these ones that's got the big fire template, and I'm a big fan of the fire template uh, for smoking out those woods and uh, buildings of infantry. So it's a great way of clearing the way um, and making things even easier for your for your uh, demonic troops to because you're going to thin out the numbers if you've got those cauldron of blood. I've never really been a great fan of the death dealer. I mean, he's got absolutely stacks of dice. But it's only got one dice it's for 50 range and six of the dice at 25 centimetre range. Again, very tricky to get that into the range to actually start really making use of it. But yeah, I always forget, as I said earlier on, the transport function. So yeah, they could be a good replacement for rhinos. And then hopefully once they've dropped the troops off, you can get them up into some range and do some damage with them. But yeah, they've got a good, they've got a good calf as well because it's got that kind of... I'm never really sure what that was meant to be, the kind of character at the front of it. It's got kind of swords. Mm-hmm. It's it actually a demon itself, isn't it? Yeah, I'm not sure. It's kind of fused to the, mm, the fuselage or something. It's kind of strange. But um, I think I probably need to look at the Death Dealer again. It's definitely a decent option. It's just that thing of, can you get it in the 25 centimetre range? And that's what I kind of feel doubtful and puts me off with it. Yeah, so that was my 3,000 points. So we're on to four. What have you got, Craig? Yep, so for my 4,000 points list, I've tried to work a little bit of Nurgle in this time. Um, mostly because I just think they're kind of underrepresented. Again, they were another one that didn't get much love until the latter stages of 2nd edition, so I tried to work them in as best as possible. So the core is still corn because, you know, there's just so much variety of corn, so I've kept it the same with the Bloodthirster, corn juggers, bloodletters, flesh hounds, and then Lord of Battles with the two cards of Demon Engines and the Marines riding in a Death Dealer again. Slamesh Contingent, exactly the same again. Keeper of Secrets, Subjugator Scout Titans, Slamesh Beast Riders, and Demonettes. And then for the Nurgle Contingent, I tried really hard, but there's just there's just so little for them, in my opinion. It's maybe worth taking, especially alongside corn, like I mentioned earlier. Maybe if you could work them in with fielding them with a bigger contingent of Zinch or something, then it it might be viable, but I feel like the great and clean one, greater demon, you know, it's got five centimeter base move, so it always charges. So you're still only moving a maximum of 10 centimeters per turn with them. Getting into combat is going to be nigh on impossible unless someone walks into you. So I think probably in, in a kind of bit of a fix for, for Nurgle later on, they brought out the Plague Tower, which is it functions as a greater demon. It's effectively the chaos version of the Leviathan in terms of its kind of loot and function. So it can carry 15 stands of troops and they can actually perform like a boarding action. If you can get into close combat with troops in a building, they can spill out of it into the building without having to take a penalty for movement or you know, they don't suffer the combat penalty for fighting outside, that kind of thing. Very situational, probably has never actually happened in a game, but cool, cool idea. Yeah, it's a great idea. I always thought that. I always thought it was cool. But again, in practice, how can you actually get it in to do that? And it's going to be the focus of all fire if you've got trips loaded up in it as well, which is other problem. <laughs> yeah. It'd be great to have some kind of like Helm's Deep type scenario, a big siege kind of battle where you had loads of these things and could do something like that. But I think a lot of the time these rules are made for the rule of cool rather than, you know. Yeah. Funny you mentioned Lord of the Rings here because one of the things that I think they did in Lord of the Rings, well, I didn't think they did that deliberately in any, by any stretch of the imagination, but in Return of the King, there's there's these big tower things which basically slam into the parapets and the, the orcs spill out of them and that. And it's very similar, actually, to the idea behind the, the plague towers. So, yeah, I always, liked, I always loved the idea of that. <laughs> Unfortunately, these were the most elusive miniatures of all, actually, for me with the plague towers. So, yeah, I finally got some, but they're not painted yet. But, yeah, I'm looking forward to trying them out. 
it was actually the thing that kind of spurred me on to collect chaos it were didn't spur me on to collect chaos but it was one of the first miniatures i did pick up a couple of years ago when i decided i was going to maybe dip my toes into it because it was didn't mention it before but chaos definitely wasn't one of the armies or one of the forces that we had as uh, kids the first time around uh, i think both my brother and i had a bit of a disdain for them because we were both kind of world war Two or modern combat buffs at heart and didn't really want to ruin anything of, of our immersion by having flappy demons flying around <laughs> or pink horrors or any of that kind of stuff so we both had a bit of a disdain for them but i've kind of grown to respect them in my older and wiser years <laughs> well yeah it's interesting you mentioned that because i'd bought the yeah, I had the full, I had the full box, so I had the kind of basic, you know, infantry, uh, like the Beast Riders and the Dust Riders and Chaos Marines and Juggers and all the, all that plastic stuff. So I had that, but I had nothing else. I had none of the Demon Engines, which you really need, you know, you only have them. I think I was maybe proxying with Land Raiders or something like that. Yeah. And what I was using was basically 40k miniatures for the Greater Demons, which in fairness actually wasn't really a big problem because they did come out pretty much the same size anyway, so <laughs> didn't really create many problems. But yeah, it wasn't. It was well. It was chaos. It was chaos for the Camerines that we had. I can't remember why we had them, but yeah, we got. A, I definitely had a pack of those. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So I used to use um, for the Greater Demons because I didn't have any of the Greater Demons. So I think it was probably mid two thousands when I actually started picking up the miniatures and certainly painting them. I think it was in, maybe around about twenty ten. Even I don't know. Mm-hmm. Certainly when I recorded it all in Tactical Command, yeah, there was a thread there somewhere about my chaos stuff. So yeah, I had a very similar thing where I came the, to play them properly. It was pretty late on in the process. I think probably that's shown tonight for our regular listeners. I think it's fair to say our knowledge is like we know all the stats inside out for quite a few of the forces but I would say that Chaos is definitely I think partly because of the, the sheer variety yeah. and the, all the special rules that there are for each of them well for a number of the, the units there's certainly some gaps in my knowledge so I apologise for him <laughs> that's getting frustrated <laughs> with uh, with us going what is it minus one or minus two and you know, all that stuff so it's because we came to it late in the game and it's a hard force to play on a regular basis because mm. as I, for the reasons I said earlier on it's quite tricky to play them so they're not to me the most fun force but I should make more of an effort definitely I think probably if you really want to play successfully with them you probably should put some of those some more land raiders into your, yeah. your force because you need something with range on it but I've not done it except for that 2000 point army where I felt it was really kind of crucial I've tried to kind of stay flavourful so that we actually talk about proper chaos the same as yourself anyway i've derailed you again no no that's totally fine it's all stuff i had on the tip of my tongue anyway so it's it's all good <laughs> um but yeah the, the plague tower functions as a greater demon for taking nurgle stuff which is great it still has to be issued orders so it doesn't get the charge in first fire which is unfortunate because it moves 15 centimeters so it would actually be quite a handy one to get up the field but obviously that'd be a bit daft looking this uh trundling box on wooden wheels flying up flying up the battlefield at 30 <laughs> centimeters but it's chaos you could justify it somehow i'm sure but put some wings on it <laughs> yeah exactly well that's something i meant to mention earlier actually as well with about anger and with his big flappy wings but he's not a skimmer but the bloodthirster is just an interesting note but anyway <laughs> but yeah plague tower one plus saving through all round bit like leviathan in net epic again it gets that praetorian style or, or kind of um, titan style template to make it a little bit more survivable but i think they probably mess with the, the cost or whatever of it a little bit for that plus eight close assault factor lots of weapons with lots of dice but all very short range again they've got like it's got 50 centimeter rock cannon which is its big barrage weapon that does minus four target save modifier and then everything else is 25 centimeters or 15 centimeters so again it's one of these ones you need to get in close to any real damage which 
15 centimeters movement is going to be difficult but it's you know it's the way of getting another greater demon in the field it's, i think it, it probably still represents better value than most of the greater demons that you see in terms of what it can do it's a little bit more useful i guess um, than greater demons and it can still be saved by the chaos cards in that way so it's a little bit more survivable as well uh, so there may be as a chance if you if, if the game goes on long enough if your opponent is foolish enough to let the game go on long enough, then you could probably do some real damage with, with it. And again, it gets you those three Chaos um, cards, so fantastic. I couldn't think to justify getting in any more Nurgle-specific units to into my force. I wanted to bring in the Plague Bearers because I've got a couple of units of them, but they're effectively the same as the uh, Slanesh Demonettes, but the only difference is I think they regenerate. Oh no, this, no, in fact, they don't regenerate, and I find it bizarre that they don't regenerate because the Blood Letters regenerate, and yet Plague Bearers in the lore these days are very hard to kill and disgustingly resilient I think it's a special rule they get in, um, in 40k but yeah it's a weird one they don't regenerate so they're essentially exactly the same stats as the demonettes and they even have that same forcing of the morale check just for a different reason rather than being covered in glitter and organs they, they have a cloud of flies around them so it's you know it's that same thing why have I got a unicorn my little pony in my head when you keep saying the big glitter <laughs> I think that's probably not far from the truth, but I don't really want to delve into that side of the, <laughs> the internet. I'm sure if they find those, yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's a whole whole different series. But yeah, the plague bearers. If I had, if I didn't have the demonettes, I'd maybe take them just for that kind of thing. But they are just fairly useless unless you can. I think I think at the time I played with them, I tried to load some of them into the plague tower to get them up the field a little bit faster. But you're not getting much movement out of them, so it's tough. What I did bring, though, was the Troll Warband, which I guess is, for all the reasons I've just said, it's probably a similar kind of justification, but they do have the regeneration factor about them. Yeah. You get quite a lot of them. You get 10 stands of them, plus a Chaos Champion, who's pretty decent in his own right. And the plus six on the calf. Yeah, plus, plus five, sorry, yeah. Maybe the Minotaurs are plus six. I always get the two of them mixed up because no, the Minotaurs are plus five as well. The only the only difference between the trolls and the Minotaurs is the trolls are stupid, so they have that uh, chance to ignore their orders. Is it? I think. Whereas the Minotaurs don't, so they're a wee bit, the Minotaurs are a wee bit more reliable, but they don't have the regeneration. So it's a bit of a toying cost which one you want to take there. But yeah, again, I'd, I'd maybe put the trolls to avoid that whole issue with them not taking their orders or whatever. I'd maybe load them into the plague tower and transport them up the field a bit and then release them into the wild maybe a couple of turns in to give them a better chance of getting into combat. Plus, like I say, it's just that thing. If you do get the opportunity to charge a building and, and release the trolls into the building, then that's brilliant. <laughs> you know, that's, 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 that's cinematic and that's uh, worth it even if you lose the game. <laughs> yeah, I also... I also opted to take another stand of Chaos Space Marines just because they're good for 150 points. I think I could have maybe finessed it a little bit and got something different for a bit more variety, but I think they're just a solid... If you, if you can't think of what to take, then they're a fairly solid unit. And then I took some land speeders for my last 200 points because at this point I was just yearning for some something decent. <laughs> I, don't, I hate to say it, but I was, I was just yearning for something reliable that you know is going to either get very far or do a lot of damage or be great in close combat. And we've talked about them in the Marine chat, but the land speeders are probably one of my favourite units in the game. And the fact you can take them as part of your Chaos Army is great because they do fill a gap, which I need to fill in my army, which is something really fast that can shoot really well if it gets into it. And, you know, for all the reasons we've discussed before, I just think they're great. Um, and it's because I couldn't find anything nurgly to stick in there at all. Yeah, and it's it's one of those things as well that would avoid the situation I was talking about earlier on, where like, you'll be lucky if you get two objectives in turn one. If you've got those land speeders, you know, you'll be able to do you now take at least three 
if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, definitely. The thing that I don't like about this is that I would much rather the army was absolutely loaded full of just like pure chaos and, and not yep. kind of marines by the back door, if that makes sense. Absolutely, yeah. It's going to reinforce that, I think, far from being another net epic advert, as these chats might seem, seem to turn out a lot of the time. The net epic chaos in particular has really fleshed out you know, they've got the specific units, they've got, you know, extra units for all the forces to the point where you can field a full Nurgle force or a full Zinch force without having to dip into the other powers if you really wanted to and still have that variety of units. They also have the kind of dedicated Chaos Marine lists as well as the um, the kind of Traitor Legion lists. So you've got specific ones for like the Iron Warriors. So I've got an Iron Warriors force of maybe four or 5,000 points of just Iron Warriors stuff which is for the most part it's chaos space marines but they've got specific things for the iron warriors but they've got their own leviathan they've got their bombards and vindicators and you know there's not the tech marines the, the equivalent they're um the baddie tech marines whatever they're called um <laughs> but yeah they, they've added that and they've added things like the alpha legion and specific units for world eaters for the kind of pre the, the heresy era stuff as well so it really has fleshed out and you can build really flavorful forces within the net epic kind of ecosystem and one of the ones i really Really love is the um it's just the kind of lost in the damned or the or the chaos renegades list where it's all just ragtag trolls and minotaurs and you know non non power specific demons that kind of thing that are all mixed in together and you've got cultists and horseback and Lehman Russ and you've got that whole element to it which is quite cool. Um, again I don't know how effective they are in game because you're effectively taking Imperial Guard and, and some orcs and some random stuff in there but it'd be a cool thing to have and just from a kind of modeling perspective and, and re maybe using up some of your or if you've got a limited collection you can build a chaos force from if you've got some orcs, if you've got some Imperial Guard, if you've got some Marines, you could pull all that together into a Lost Nadam or Renegades force and it works well and it's um yeah it's, it's quite thematic as well so i think i think they're a really cool force in net epic possibly just a little bit a little bit neglected in second edition for the other factions that aren't corn but hey yeah the one other thing i would say about net epic which i find quite tricky about it is that the the likes of um rhinos and so on with second edition you could just add them to anything because it was basically a general chaos card so you could add them to any kind of faction and i don't think you can do that in net epic i think you've got you can only really attach that to the, the actual um, Space Marines century. Yeah, that's right. There's a lot more restrictions in terms of allies and, and kind of list building with it. They, they've done away with, for the most part, they've done away with the kind of army restrictions around Greater Demons and, and Primarchs for the Chaos Centuries, I think. But yeah, there's to field some Chaos Marines, you've got to have a certain points value in that. It's 25% or 75% if they're your main force, that kind of thing. So there's a bit more nuance when it comes to army building or list building, which I guess makes sense considering the sheer amount of units that they have for Chaos. It could be easy enough to create some sort of broken soup list or whatever they, they call it. Well, I still feel that their units are so slow moving and so difficult that it could be quite tricky. I do prefer the kind of versatility of second edition, I have to say. In terms of the army building, I do obviously veer towards an epic for those berserkers, which I love mm -hmm. So much, but I think it's easier because I, f I find that sometimes when I'm building an epic with it, that I think I've got an army listening. I'm like, oh no, I can't do that. <laughs> and it sometimes can be quite tricky actually getting the points values for whatever reason. I, I don't know. I just that's just something I can come up against. Whereas with that flexibility in second edition, you can kind of patch things quite easily with the likes of rhinos, for example, if you needed transports or whatever. If it just was 50 points. Rhinos always come in handy, even if you're, you don't have any trips to go on them because steel objectives is what I like to do with them, as you know well. Um, 
it's worth mentioning as well that because they're not attached to the card or because they're not part of the detachment, they can go off and do their own thing. You effectively just, you can load the troops up into them, drop your troops off, and then go and grab an objective with those rhinos. Whereas with your loyalist marines, you're kind of tied, your rhinos are tied to that detachment for coherency and stuff. So it's, yeah, it's, they're definitely a good dad. Yeah, that was one of the things. I think it's a, uh, I think it's in as an optional rule in the Epic that you can have the transports break off and do their own thing. It certainly brings a different dynamic to the game and you definitely couldn't do it in second as far as I remember that the rhinos still had to stay which was always seemed a bit pointless and a bit annoying to me that the rhinos would just be wasted mm. as soon as they dropped off the troops they were basically sitting hiding if they've dropped them off in a building or behind the woods they hide behind that cover and do nothing really effectively the whole game but then on the other hand that's when I started getting a bit kind of um, it's a bit gamey basically you can if they're once they're set loose you can start charging them everywhere and stealing objectives chaos can certainly do with it that i would say yeah. that about it so yeah it's uh yeah it's a rule that i quite like it makes more sense to me that the rhinos would be freed up to do whatever you want them to do but at the same time it can i, I think it can actually get a bit monotonous that as an opponent you're sitting there watching right i know he's going to charge them because he's going to try and steal an objective which one is he going to go for and make sure that it sometimes ties up your forces which maybe is an un, an unfair advantage because it's a 50 point formation tying up potentially some of you know something a lot more expensive and making it having to stay in the objective because you know the rhinos are going to steal it something that's kind of handled differently in in other editions and other rule sets where like i think in third edition the rhinos are effectively they're ablative rhinos you use them once you drop off your troops you then use them as a shield for your for your forces because they've got no firepower at all they've got no no use after that so they're kind of just used as a bit of a a meat shield to soak up some damage. There's better ways of handling it. I don't like the idea of these transports dropping off troops and then suddenly become Rambo and driving off into the middle of that field by themselves. <laughs> um, if, if those if, if it was those guys that were driving the troop transports, they should have been out, you know, in the first place. But uh, it's it's a wee bit yeah, and I think that's why I like the idea in second edition of if you take dedicated transports for a, a unit, then they are tied to that unit. Whereas if they're taken as a specialist card, then you know they're a bit more like a, a specialist unit that happens to transport troops, but they can also do their own thing as scouting or recon or objective grabbing that kind of thing. Sure. And once again, I derailed the conversation. Sorry. That's all right. <laughs> uh, I believe we were just coming on to your five thousand or oh, four thousand point list. Sorry. Okay. So. I'm just going to race through this because again a lot of it's the same. Angron's in there, the cannons of corn are in there, two lots of corn juggers, the world eaters, three lots of rhinos. Again, it's only two cards if you're looking on YouTube. Lord of Battles plus three sets again of demon engines, same same selection. I've also taken this time once I'm up to 4,000, I've finally managed to get onto another power and I'm taking Zinch and I've taken Magnus the Red. Magnus is actually one of the greater demons who actually is quite good, or is, has a potential to be quite good. The danger is, well, I'll say what the good points are first of all, I suppose. Would be <laughs> the best thing about him is that he's got that beam of power, and it's got 100 range, it's one dice, so, but it's two or more to hit, and it's a minus six to save modifier, meaning nothing can stop it, and it's got penetrating damage of plus three, so effectively he's a titan killer. Like, if you strip the shields of a titan, the titan is effectively dead. Uh, well, depending on where you hit, even a weapon would get a flashback, even though. So, but if you were lucky enough to hit the, the head of reactor, it's game over for that titan. So he actually, I do think, is a brilliant greater demon, which is why I would always gravitate towards him if I was taking Zinch as my first choice. And I've taken uh, Zinch Flamers. Now, I thought I had two squads of Zinch Flamers when I built this. 
<laughs> and when you see the pictures, you'll see that I don't. I've only got one set, and you'll see I've used, I've just proxied something else, which is a proxy actually for a different unit, and I'll explain that in the 5,000 point list. But anyway, yeah, I don't particularly think the flamers are that great, but it's it's one of those things. This is where the, the three card thing was kind of coming in, and it was stopping me perhaps getting something a bit better. So yeah, it's not that I particularly like the Zinch flamers, but I wanted something that was flavourful and had to be cheap just the way that the points were kind of working out at this stage. I've taken two lots of the disc riders. I've only come to the realisation when we started talking about this for the podcast that I've been playing disc riders really badly for a long time. <laughs> when I've, I, I've only finally cracked how I'm supposed to play them. I've always played them badly because I've used them a bit like um, you would use bikes. <laughs> because they are fairly fast. Yep. And I don't think that's how they're meant to be used. I think you're supposed to, yes, use them, turn one, charge them, get them in. Um, I would treat them like a grav tank. That's exactly how I think they should be played now. I don't know if that sounds weird or not, what, what your thoughts are on that. But no, I think I'm in agreement with you. Because they, they they've got a kind of decent weapon on them. Mm-hmm. It's, uh, it's a 5 plus to hit, minus 1 save modifier, 50 centimeter range. Yeah, and it has a skimmer special ability, so they can do the pop-up attacks like the grav tanks would. So for once... I feel like it's a unit that's actually pretty decent in terms of, because of the speed of it, you can get it into the position at the end of turn one, no problem, and then turn two onwards, first fire all the way, and just try and pick off, okay, the minus one isn't exactly amazing, you're going to struggle against certainly super heavies, you've got no chance really, a one in six chance because of the minus one, but in land raiders even I would be a bit, I think a grav tank would probably, you know, the three plus, anything that was a three plus, I kind of feel well, well then it's only a 50-50 chance of them saving. Obviously better against cavalry and infantry if you can see them, but they're worth a go at kind of some of the lighter transports, I suppose, uh, if they're out on the table against you. So, yeah, I've been playing them so badly for years, just throwing them in, and they are, because their, their calf isn't quite, I think it's plus two, mm-hmm. because they've only got the plus two, most bikes have got plus three, they, they don't tend to do that well, but then play your Chaos cards, and it would balance that out. But yeah. I, I still think, now that I've kind of thought about this, I've thought, yeah, first fire, behind <laughs> something, pop-up attacks, that's the way to go with them. Yeah, they strike me as quite a versatile unit. I mean, you can do a lot with them. You can do that. You know, they can get into close combat and still have a good chance of surviving. Yeah. But I think you're right, though. I think getting them behind a building and kind of popping up and, and doing that, even if, you, especially if you can get them around the side flanks and do some side shots against armor, then you're going to get better save modifiers that way. Yeah, that's a good tip. You might actually be able to outfox your opponent, actually, and then I think about it. If you charged in first turn, and if you were particularly if you were in a pattern of uh, using them as what I was describing as, as skimmer attacks, you could really get the jump on an opponent by charging them in turn two and getting behind their lines and then popping up from the third turn mm-hmm. from behind and uh, shooting and get that minus two against quite a lot of your, their tanks if they're all sat in first fire. Yeah, I think taking two cards of them, like you said, is probably a good idea as well because then you can, you're talking then 10 attack dice potentially popping up, which is pretty nice. Yeah, definitely. Uh, not not bad for 400 points, yeah, exactly. So, yeah, and that's my 4,000, so we're on to the, the last one, the 5,000 points. Sure. So, it should be a fairly similar one. I'll work backwards this time for reasons that will become known in a second. So, I've got my Nurgle-ish contingent, which is the Plague Tower, Chaos Marines, Land Speeders, and Trolls. I've got my Slanesh contingent, which is the Keeper of Secrets, the Subjugator Scout Titans, the Beast Riders, and the Demonettes. I've got my Lord of Battles for Corn with the two cards of Demon Engines and the Chaos Space Marines riding in the Death Dealer. And I've bolstered the Bloodthirster 
a little bit this time. So he's now got two units of flesh hounds with him, mostly because I've got three units of them painted. So I'll try and get as many on the table as I can. The blood letters, the jugger, and then this time I've also taken the Bane Lord, which is the corn specific demon version of the Warlord Titan for 900 points. So. Yeah, the reason I brought that is mostly because it's a cool model. It's like every <laughs> every teenage boy's or every teenage kid's um, dream model, I think, maybe at that era, if you played Epic, because it, yeah, it had the cool factor. I think we'd, we'd all seen the kind of Chaos Titans, or we'd all seen the ubiquitous Beetleback Titan, and it was just a kind of reimagining of that, which is pretty cool. Um, and it's got that same same rules surrounding it for if corner winning then it gets additional bonuses i think which is on a titans a massive bonus to have it's got very kind of specific weapons again they're quite it's got the kind of rack of havoc missiles which are pretty devastating you can loose them you get six of them they're kind of one shot things but you can loose them all in one turn um, and then it's got it's it's closer in doom fists and um and doom burners which again are shorter range than the likes of your quake cannons or volcano cannons you might normally have on a, a warlord but if you can get in close then you're you're going to do some damage with it so yeah I'd, I'd take that i've never fielded it but i'd like to so that's why i've added it in here and maybe i was also getting a bit sleepy when i was making my list at this point and just thought <laughs> 900 points there you go chuck that in um so yeah i played the bane lord a couple of times i'm not mad in it especially for 900 points it's yeah i just don't think it's as effective as the uh, as equivalent warlords and again i think the model kind of deserves a bit more because again i, I totally agree it's got that cool factor and uh, it should be, for me, it should be a bit cheaper just because it's not quite as effective. The rack thing is quite good when it comes off. But certainly I didn't feel like I was doing the same kind of damage that I would expect for 900 points. So I suppose that's my reservation. And, and I hate that because I, I really hate it when that's quite a few things now actually in Chaos. That I'm, I'm saying I love the models, but I just want mm-hmm. the actual unit to work a bit better than it actually does. They've all got that kind of really cool design. So yeah, it's... It's just all very tricky, and I think they're probably the hardest force of all of them, really, to get a bit of success with, and you're going to need to do a bit of experimenting. And you, you'd certainly need to get used to <laughs> probably losing a few battles at the start before you start winning some. So I personally probably wouldn't take the Bane Lord as much as I would love to take it, because I just think the model's spot on, you know? Mm-hmm. So that was your 5,000 points. So mine, again, has got a lot of the same stuff. Angron, Blood Letters, two Corn Juggers, World Eaters, Cannon of Corn, three Rhinos in there again, Lord of Battles, three lots of Demon Engines, Magnus the Red for the Zinch. So I've got, I've kept the two Zinch Disc Riders in and I've kind of switched things up a wee bit there. I've taken a Troll Warband, which again, I agree with you. I've been caught out against them before. What I like about them is that they're really frustrating for an opponent to play against because even when they kill them, that regeneration thing, 50-50 chance that they'll get back up again, that really did my head in. <laughs> I was facing them, I really hated that. <laughs> um, but fair enough, it's, the, it's a good thing because, as I say, I feel Chaos needs that kind of edge in close combat to make up for the shortcomings that we've kind of mentioned up until now. I've taken this time the, the Lord of Change, which is a really kind of cool attack that I really like, the, the, the Bolt of Change from memory it's called. Yep, so 35cm range, hits on a 3 yeah, it's only minus one to save modifier, but if it's destroyed, it becomes Chaos Spawn, and then you place that six centimeter template over the target, and all models at least half under the template are locked in combat, and they've got to fight this thing, so it, it can be a real, really good disruptor. It can't make pop-up attacks, even though it's counted as a skimmer, which is a slightly odd thing to me, but anyway, rules are rules. 
so yeah, I, I quite like him. I like that. I think that's a power. Again, it's a bit like the Magnus's one. I, I actually think it's quite. It can be quite effective and quite worrying to play against. <laughs> and it has a, a nice kind of. I, I like the wee template it's got for it that you got with second edition, where it's kind of all tentacles and things like that that are on the actual template itself when it takes over the uh, destroyed unit. And I've also taken Zinch Horrors. Now, I don't think they're particularly effective, but a bit like the trolls, they've got that real frustration factor for an opponent that when they shoot them, they, they split into two. Yes, they're slightly less powerful, but it's one of those things that's going to really irritate an opponent because they're going to have to shoot so many of them before they actually break them that it becomes, you know, they can get overwhelmed by numbers, you know. So even though they are weaker, you're probably going to have them ganging up once they start splitting into two on enemy units and you're getting that extra D6 when you do that. So I actually think they're quite a, a fun unit. And they're mm-hmm. the ones that um, you'll see are proxied in the pictures with, I can't remember who, who's, I think maybe it was Micro World, possibly. Mm-hmm. Again, yeah, they don't particularly look like Zinch Horrors, but it was one of those ones that was actually quite difficult from memory because you had to buy so many of them just to have one squad. I think you had to buy about basically three packs of them just to have one squad. That's right, yeah. Because <laughs> obviously, again, I came late to it and it was uh, eBay I was on and they weren't really cheap, so I felt for what they were. I was getting, I just wasn't prepared to spend the money. So apologies to the purists if you're looking at that thinking... I don't like that. That's okay. I don't mind. (laughs) 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 My wallet's happier for it. (laughs) So, but yeah, they do the job for me. They're blue and pink. That's good enough for me. I'm quite happy with that. And the other two units I've taken at last, we've got some flyers in here. I know these two came late on in the game as well. These are another ones after Titan Legions. Is that right, Craig? No, the Zinch flyers came out before Titan Legions, like in a White Dwarf 145-ish, I think. Right. They, they, were in, they were in the Space Marine battles, but that's certainly where I first encountered them um, with the templates and the rules and stuff for them. So You'll see that I don't, I didn't have the actual cards. I've kind of <laughs> pasted in copies of the cards onto my document because I certainly didn't have them. They definitely weren't in Renegades at the time. No. The Silver Towers of Zinch I quite like the, to be honest, if you weren't playing, because again, it's one of those things in the epic, you can have animosity between the powers. If you weren't playing that, I would actually use the Silver Towers of Zinch to cover probably a squadron of the Demon Engines because basically what you do is you place the two Silver Towers 10 centimetres apart and they basically create this kind of, I suppose it's the same kind of thing you're talking about, the kind of glitter effect or whatever. It kind of basically makes it harder for enemy units to fire at anything beyond that. So it's like a, I suppose, I think it's meant to be like template's meant to be like four or four or five centimeters high from memory mm-hmm. and basically anything that fires through it is going to get a minus one to hit those units so it gives your demon engines a bit of longevity basically they've got a bit of a better chance of surviving until what i was talking about earlier on advanced phase of turn two that also applies to the silver towers themselves that rule so they're also at minus one so yeah they're quite tricky to hit and you know even against marines are going to struggle with that because they've only got most of the rules are five plus so you're changing it from a one in three chance to a one in six chance which is you know quite important and uh makes it very difficult for them as a consequence for them to hit but of course yeah all it takes is one lucky hit and if one of them goes down that field goes and the minus one no longer applies what i would say about it is it's uh it's got 50 range it's got four attack dice five or six minus one and it's got a beam of power which is 75 range at last 75 range in the chaos army one dice three plus with a minus three so it's actually 
they're really powerful so I find them really good units and as I say I like the fact that they're a unit that I feel is quite dependable and it can actually do something to kind of boost your other forces and yeah the Doomwings are the last squadron that I took and those they're basically the same as the Cauldron of Blood earlier on I was mentioning they use the, the fire template and again that's pretty powerful in second edition getting that and smoke them out all those uh, infantry units I suppose the downside of having those connections would be if you kill enough infantry with them, if you've got the Cauldron of Blood and them, potentially your, uh, the rest of your Demon Horde won't have too much to fight. <laughs> and then you maybe need to commit them to, to attacking vehicles and things like that. In practice, really, I have found that even though you can, when you place the three templates down, quite often things will survive, uh, particularly if they've got saving throws in the first place. But then again, infantry doesn't. So, yeah, really handy. They're not going to do much against enemy flyers. You probably want your Fire Lord in there, which is another one which we, we haven't looked at. The Fire Lords, at least, is again, it's got these templates. It's got the, the flame cannon, which does the same kind of thing as the Doomwing does, and the Laz cannon is it's got four it's got four Laz cannon, fifty range, five or six minus one, so but it's got seventy five movement. And the Doomwings, that's the other thing I should have said about the Doomwings, they've got a hundred move, so you can be really, really brutal with them, really get in behind enemy units and turn one and turn two you can really do some damage. In fact, you could advance them, what am I talking about? You could advance a Doomwing, a hundred range, get it anywhere, flame out the thing. So yeah, they're, they're actually really powerful and, and a good argument for actually that I should be using more Zinch in my forces. Because... <laughs> I think so, yeah. <laughs> Combining Zinch and Corn is a really powerful combination for sure. But yeah, it's, it's my kind of love of those demon engines it's a bit of a problem i can add, i mean it's 900 points worth and am i really getting the value for them i suppose it's a bit like the bane lord it's more that you're taking them because you love the mm-hmm. the models themselves the miniatures i think there could be more sensible ways to to spend those points but <laughs> anyway i've chosen that's it i've i've done what i've done here and that's it five thousand points so there's a lot of units we haven't looked at yeah, not, not as many as you'd think, I don't think, to be honest. I, I think a lot of them are covered in the kind of general Marine and Imperial Guard lists. There's things like Cultists, which are effectively just Imperial Guard units. Dreadnoughts, again, which are maybe a wee bit different. I think they get two attack dice this time. So they're kind of decent. And Beastmen, again, are quite similar. I think we touched on them in Imperial Guard list. Uh, Chaos Squats, poor Chaos Squats. It's like, <laughs> I just can't see a time when I'd ever take them. And in fact, I've not even got any painted in the army. I've, I think in, in my many years of buying and selling Epic, I've probably went through thousands of Chaos Squats and got rid of them every time and never bothered painting them. The stat line on them actually is kind of what I wish Tactical Marines were because you get that two attack dice. Mm. Still fight five to hit, no save modifier, but they've got a better stat line than, than your Tactical Marine, uh, which is weird. Well, why don't you like them then? I think there's better things to take. Again, they're another they're another ten centimeter moving two attack dice, fifty centimeter range, no modifier. I can't see any time when they would ever come into play. Hmm. It's just there's so many. So say for the variety of units that Chaos have, a lot of them have got almost the same stat line. And they're either no range at all, but plus four, plus five, and close assault, which is great. But they can't move very fast, so they you know you never get to use them. Or they've got that fifty centimeter range, no save modifier, and still ten centimeter move. So you just don't. I just don't feel that you get any use out of them. There's things like the androids as well, which although they're like, it's that whole crazy thing where you can't control them and you have to have a roll off with your opponent to see if who gets to place an order for them or whatever. It's just, it's bonkers. It's like, unless you were playing some kind of like drafting list thing, which I think is something we could maybe explore at some point where you maybe have to take some units you don't want to take, then it's just, they're just pointless. 
like I've painted them because I like them and I loved Space Crusade. They were the androids in Space Crusade, so that's why I yeah. I've painted them. But other than that, I can't see any reason you'd ever field them. But but yeah, I think we've more or less covered off everything. I think there's a couple of the lesser demons for the factions we didn't put too much effort into or put too much focus on that are there. But again, no, none of them are worth writing home about. Um, yeah, probably the main thing you mentioned about Slanish. I know you took um, the knights, but there are kind of different ones. Yeah, they're my kind of holy grail at the moment is trying to find these uh, Slanish knights because, like I said, they came in towards the end of second edition and um, I don't think there was too many of them out there and they've got this kind of artificially blown up price on them now um, for what they are. I, I'm not a massive fan of the models, I'm not a massive fan of knights in general so I'm only going to pick them up if I ever see them going cheap, which is unlikely, but they've got some cool rules, some of them have got so the, the whole thing, it's this whole house divine knight household and they've given them some kind of lore specific rules, so I think for one of the types, I can't remember if it's hell strider or hell knight, but they can increase their co- coherency up to 10 centimeters. you can kind of spread them out. The other type of knight gets like a scouting bonus similar to scout marines or whatever where you can charge them up the battlefield before the orders are placed the first turn which is kind of handy and it's also got like a bit of a kind of anti-tank weapon on it decent gun on it uh i've forgotten what the, the special rule is for the, the tiny ones um but it's, it's quite decent but none of them are they're very expensive to take them points value wise as well and when i was looking at these lists i was considering trying to pick up the models but then i was looking at the stats and i was like i wouldn't even take them if i had the models in a lot of cases i really do like the scout titans the subjugators the i was going to say that the questors or the other ones um which are kind of like they're okay they sound decent as well but i don't like them as much as the, the subjugators so i'm quite happy with just the subjugators out of that article or that or that list of released units so yeah, that's our take on Chaos, but I'm sure there must be some of you out there who have better army lists, especially because this was our one that we were kind of weakest on, would be Chaos, but just because of the sheer variety, and I think, again, because both of us were so late in getting our, our forces, so... But yeah, please tell us what you think yourselves, because we'd always like to play Chaos a bit better than <laughs> have a bit more success than we usually have. And... Uh, if you've had the same problems, I'm interested to know if that's if it's just us or there is a way around these things. So, uh, what are we thinking next time? Orcs. Yeah, I think we've got orcs today. Yeah. We're, we're both putting off the we're putting off Tyranids till the end, I believe, potentially. Yeah. We thought struggling with the rules for chaos was bad. Wait till you see the Tyranids. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know. I'm definitely going to do something about painting that Tyranid army up because I want to get playing them. The few occasions I've played against them, I've found them really, really powerful. Mm-hmm. And I'm curious to know, actually, if it is all about second edition, or if NetEpic's actually made them tougher, because of the fact that NetEpic added all the kind of hit location charts. Mm, I don't I don't know. I mean, from from reading the rules, it looks like it's mostly been translated one for one. Um, I don't think there's been yeah. massive amounts of stuff in it. Anyway, that's a conversation for another day, so... <laughs> So, yeah, sorry, now that I've just said that about Chaos, and yeah, Terran, Terran is definitely a weak spot for us because my army hasn't been fully painted. I think you have played them once or twice, but mm-hmm. definitely haven't been a, a favourite, and I and really need to the rules for them properly and, and work out how they work. And I know that they can be really powerful on the board, so that'll be interesting. But I think before that, I'd quite like to do squats as yeah, well. Definitely. You're not so invested in squats as I am. I think just with the low model count for them, 
I don't massively think there's much point. I think both of our lists would be almost identical, barring maybe a couple of units. Plus, I can't be bothered trying to get everything painted in time for that <laughs> episode. I've, I've, I've painted all the armour. I need to do all the infantry and bikes, and it's just sitting there haunting me. So I'll get around to it. But I think that's a fair deal. You can deal with the Tyranids and all. Okay. I'll do the squats because I'm pretty familiar with them. Oh, yeah. Did a little article about the squats actually. For anybody that's not aware of it, check out, do a little googling Hero Hammer, which was I mentioned Crown of Command earlier on. They've just published the second issue of their fanzine, which effectively looks to all intents and purposes like an old white dwarf magazine. It's really beautifully presented. The articles are great in it. And it's a great bunch of guys that have been working on it. I had the privilege of uh, just submitting a little article about the kind of thing that we've been doing here, picking a, a 3,000 point army list and a little wee article about that. So check that out, it's free, um, please have a look. I know that I probably sound biased because I've got a feature on it, but it's genuinely, I uh, looked at issue one when it came out a few months ago and uh, I thought the same thing regardless of whether I was involved in it or not. It's really great, and if you love 90s gaming, which I think a lot of people who listen to this podcast as second edition players, that's the kind of period of White Dwarf that they grew up with, then I think you'll love Hero Hammer, so please check that out. Look up Crown of Command, there'll be links about there if you're on Twitter and things like that as well. On Facebook, look out for their page, because it will have those links on it. So, and uh, Oh yeah, I've been doing some videos on the YouTube channel, and I've been adapting Beyond the Green River, uh, which is... Karandras, is it? Karandras? Karadras. 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 There Frank. you go. Frank. Um, <laughs> um, I've been adapting some of his, his campaign. It's just fantastic material to work with. And uh, hopefully the videos are quite good fun. And uh, So yeah, hopefully it'll be one of those every month. So please have a look at that if you want to see some more epic. And it's, that's epic Armageddon, so at least it's something for those fans as well. Because typically my videos have all been second edition or stroke. Net epic and stroke modern take on the rules. <laughs> um, so yeah, that's something else to look at in the YouTube channel. And yeah, I think that's I think that's me done my plugging. <laughs> Without further ado, thanks for joining me tonight, Craig. Again, sharing your thoughts with chaos. Enjoyed it. Cheers. And until next time, keep on living the life of die.